What's good, everyone? Welcome to the Rabbit Steak Podcast. It is Wednesday, July 13th. I'm your host, Jack Sperry. Welcome into the show today. Today, we'll be talking uh, quite a bit of basketball. Um, and our top story today is that reports are indicating that the Utah Jazz are listening to offers for star guard Donovan Mitchell. Now, I said this a while back. I said that with Danny Ainge coming in, the Jazz are going to be looking... Uh, to completely blow it up and rebuild because Danny Ainge is the type of GM that wants to get his guys in the building for his roster and a team and you know his thing is blowing a team up like he did in Boston and completely rebuilding and, and building from the ground up that's Danny Ainge's management style so you know once they hired Danny Ainge I started to have a feeling that the Jazz thought that the way that the roster was currently constructed that they couldn't win an NBA championship and that Danny Ainge would come in and rebuild this roster to win a championship so they already got rid of Rudy Gobert I said potentially Mitchell would be next and I mean for sure Jordan Clarkson and some of their other pieces are definitely on the chopping block right now as well but as far as Mitchell and where he ends up, it's hard to tell right now because it really does depend on who is willing uh, to take their name out of the running for KD. Because in order to trade for Donovan Mitchell, you're going to have to give up quite a bit. Um, he is a, he's a young star in this league, and Utah is looking to rebuild. They're going to be looking for a lot of pieces for him. So essentially by going out and getting Mitchell, you're going to be taking your hat out of the KD ring. I'm not sure if too many teams, especially the ones that have enough draft capital to get KD, are going to be willing to take their names out of the running. So my guess is that if Mitchell gets traded at all, it will be after a potential KD deal gets done. And if a deal, if this deal does get done for Mitchell, the price is to get him is going to be very, very high. It won't be as high as a as a KD level deal, but it will still be uh, pretty hefty of a price and because of that I, I still think there's a fairly good chance that Donovan is back with the Jazz next season because you know he is still young and he could still be a very valuable rebuilding piece for the Jazz as they move into this next phase of uh, their franchise so you know it's going to be interesting to see I've seen a bunch of stuff about the Lakers going out and getting Donovan Mitchell, I, I highly doubt that will happen. I don't think they have the pieces to go and get him. I don't think they have anything that the Jazz would be particularly uh, excited to grab. But speaking of the Lakers, uh, a report came out the other day that a deal to send Kyrie Irving to the Lakers is being hung up right now by the Lakers' unwillingness to send a 2027 first-round draft pick to Brooklyn. So let me ask this question. How many really good years does LeBron James have left? Um, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four, five at the most. And you're willing to limit his and your championship prospects for the, for the, for the present by holding on to a pick five years down the road? Are you kidding me, Rob Palenka? First of all, in the NBA, you have no idea if a first-round draft pick is going to pan out, okay? And if they do, they they usually take two to three years to really get their feet under them and start producing at a high level. 
So this means that the Lakers are are declining to take Kyrie Irving right now, who is an established superstar talent and one of the best scorers and late-game closers in league history for a player that won't even be drafted for another five years and won't hit for another eight, given he hits at all. I mean, this is a this is super super dumb move. This is a super dumb move by by the Lakers right now because, I mean, LeBron James he's not getting any younger, and you know your window with him is very is is decreasing and shrinking by the year. And if you have a chance to go and get a guy that can that's that's proven that he can help him win a that can help him win an NBA championship, he's done it before. Go and get him. Go and get him, please. I mean, this is... And plus, they, they could probably get Russell Westbrook off their books. I mean, this is a perfect deal for the Lakers. Perfect deal. But no, they want to hold this deal out because they don't want to give up a first-round draft pick. That that if he hits it all, it's going to take eight years. I mean, and this kid that they're going to be drafting is going to be like a 19-year-old. Okay, five years... That means... It, this kid is 14 years old that they're gonna draft. That they're that they're so enthralled and they 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 absolutely cannot part ways with this draft pick because they have to draft this 14 year old that's gonna be going to Duke in a couple of years. Like this is, I just I just can't believe this. This is this is ridiculous. I don't understand why the Lakers won't do that. Won't make this deal. I mean, obviously Kyrie wants to be a Laker. Obviously LeBron wants him to be a Laker. Uh, obviously, this team is not good enough to compete with the with the with the pieces that it currently has. You need to make a move, and this is just I can't believe that that the Lakers are are being hung up by the by that one draft pick. It's like, who cares? Send them the draft pick. the The history of the NBA is very clear on this. When given the choice between players that could be good in the future versus players who are good right now, you always take the established talent. Because in the NBA draft, it is one of the most crapshooty draft environments in all of sports. There's only two rounds. Usually players that end up being starters are drafted in the first 14 picks and there's no guarantee that if you get a first round pick from a team that you're going to be drafting in the top 14 and outside of the top 14 the chances of drafting a starter go down huge like the chances of of drafting a a starting level player let alone a star player outside of the lottery it's something like one in 20 or something like that it's it the, the chances are ridiculously low and you know in this deal, you're you're getting an established superstar talent in Kyrie Irving, who's one of the most skilled players in league history. He's a late game assassin. He's somebody that can take the scoring. That can the thing with LeBron led teams is that when LeBron James comes comes out of the game, they don't have anyone left to score because the offense completely runs from LeBron James. You know, the offense begins and ends with LeBron James. So what's incredibly vital for a potential Lakers championship squad is that they need another person in there that can score one-on-one, that can run the offense. And Kyrie Irving could do that. The system worked with Cleveland. That's why they went to so many finals in a row, because these guys worked together. And you're getting hung up over a 2027 first-rounder that you have no idea... What kind of value are you going to get from it? I mean, come on. And 
I mean, it just blo- it just boils my blood, man, because this is this is terrible team management. And if Rob Palenka had any sense whatsoever, he'd make the deal today. So moving on here, uh, the Raptors, Toronto Raptors, have emerged as one of the betting favorites alongside the Suns and the Heat to land Kevin Durant in recent days. Uh, and you know what? I think it makes a lot of sense. KD would fix the Raptors' half-court scoring issues with the snap of his fingers. Uh, Toronto's well-coached. Uh, they have a championship pedigree when they when they have uh, a superstar-level talent on their team. They play good defense. And Toronto has enough young star talent to put together an enticing package for Brooklyn. You know, Toronto GM Masai Ujiri has traditionally been very aggressive when trading for superstar talents. Uh, for example, when he gambled on trading for Kawhi Leonard. You know, it was far from a sure thing that Leonard would stay and sign a long-term deal with the Raptors when he made that deal. But Ujiri made the deal anyways, and Toronto got an NBA title out of that deal. Yes, Kawhi Leonard left for L.A. eventually, because that's where he wanted to be sent. But he made the deal knowing that, you know, this deal put him in contention and his team in contention for a title. And this is what a Kevin Durant deal would do for them. So, you know, if Brooklyn asks for Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr., and like four or five first-round draft picks for KD, would the Nets really say no to that? You know, would would the Raptors say no to that? You know, I know I understand Scotty Barnes is the rookie of the year, and I understand that OG Ananobi is very good as well. And they might even have to put Fred Van Vliet or possibly even Pascal Siakam in this deal as well. You know, this is you know, they got a lot of good young players that the that the Nets would potentially want. So you know, the Nets can pretty much just ask for what they want. And, you know, I'm not sure if Ujiri would, would, would necessarily decline because you know Kevin Durant he fixes their half-court scoring issues he's a late-game assassin he would immediately depending on how much uh, Brooklyn wants they'd immediately be title contenders so you know when I look at this situation I think that the Raptors are definitely one of the favorites to go get them um you know, when I look at the betting favorites, the Suns are the betting favorites right now. But, you know, if De- if DeAndre Aiden goes to the Pacers like we've been hearing uh, over the last couple of days, if that deal gets done, then there's practically no chance in K- that KD goes to the Suns. So I would not bet. If I, if I was sports betting on where KD goes, I would not be betting on the Suns right now. Um, the Heat are a possibility. Um, the Raptors are a possibility now. And then I also think that the Pelicans and the Grizzlies I can put together some pretty enticing packages as well. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, KD, I think, would fit in well uh, with Toronto. I think that Toronto would would, would take to uh, KD quite well. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if Toronto is going to be willing to part with some of their young stars, their emerging stars like Scotty Barnes and OG and, and Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. It'll be interesting to see... Uh, which guys they'd be willing to part with, if any of them. But, you know, the reports are indicating that the Raptors are putting together a deal and they think they can put together, quote-unquote, the best package out of anybody. So it seems like the Raptors are willing to to uh, to put together a package that includes multiple young stars in it. And, and I think that they're ready to make an aggressive move to go get KD. So the last uh, segment here today, the last thing I want to talk about uh, is that 
ESPN and, you know, the NBA on ESPN has been pushing this idiot, Bobby Marks, on their shows lately uh, because he's been pushing this imbecilic claim that Stephen Curry is already the second greatest basketball player of all time. And listen, I am as big of a Steph fan as any any reasonable-minded person is. He's the greatest shooter of all time. He's the most entertaining player to watch of all time, in my opinion. Um, you know, he he really cemented his legacy as a top 15 player with his incredible performance in the finals this year. is one of the great finals performances ever. Um, you know, I think he's one of the, the more unselfish superstars in sports history. And I think he's an overall good person. So, you know, I think I'm a huge fan of Stephen Curry. But listen, he only has two titles in which he was the best player on his team. Um, he famously blew a 3-1 to lead when he was the best player on his team. You know, that team was arguably the greatest team of all time. Definitely the greatest regular season team of all time. But they blew a 3-1 lead. Uh, and, he f- and he famously uh, came up short in the big moments in that series. You know, he had chances to put away LeBron and Kyrie in that series, and he came up short, especially in Game 7. You know, him and LeBron famously, uh, you know, traded missed shots for like five minutes straight until Kyrie hit that that game, that game-winning game three, that dagger, um, to put it away. But, you know, there is a reason why people doubted Stephen Curry's ability to perform in the clutch in the finals before this year's finals. There's a reason for that. And it's because, you know, he's come up short before, you know, even in that first finals that he won, you know, it was largely the same Warriors squad that won 73 games. Okay. It was pretty much that same team. And like Kyrie Irving got hurt in game one. And, you know, it was pretty much LeBron James against a bunch of second rate like not even starting level players like Matthew Della Vadova and Timofey Mozgov were the second and third best players on that Cavs team that year. And it still took them six games to close them out. The Cavs still got two wins with Matthew Della Vadova and Timofey Mozgov as their second and third options, okay, against that Warriors team. And it was because Stephen Curry really came up short in a lot of in a, in a lot of moments in that finals. Yes, he eventually turned it up and, you know, he did seal the deal in game six. But, you know, when I look at it, there is a reason why Stephen Curry had the, the kind of disrespect put on him lately uh, before this year's finals. Um, plus, he doesn't bring the kind of two-way versatility that so many of the top ten players of all time bring. You know, the Duncans of the world, you know, the... Uh, you know, the Shaqs of the world, you know, the Michael Jordans of the, the LeBron Jameses of the world. A lot of them have incredible two-way versatility where Steph is just a, he's a serviceable, he's a serviceable defender. He's not a great defender uh, and he's never been a great defender. He's, you know, he's, he's gone from a bad defender to a below average defender to a serviceable uh, defender now. And he actually played very, very well defensively against Boston in the finals this year, but, um, you know, and he deserves credit for that, but, you know, it's nowhere near the kind of versatility that a lot of the top 10 players in league history have. Um, you know, this is the ultimate, ultimate example of someone, Bobby Marks, 
being held prisoner by the by the current moment. And yes, Curry's moment in this year's finals was awesome. And I'm as big of a Steph Curry fan as anyone. And I, no one was happier for Steph uh, than I was when, when they won the title this year. But this one just goes way, way too far. And it's disrespectful to all the players that are clearly ahead of Steph in the all-time rankings. I mean, in my all-time rankings... I think I have Steph 12th all-time, you know, and when you you talk about the most influential players of all time, uh, Stephen Curry is on the Mount Rushmore of basketball, in my opinion, Um, but when you you put in the whole picture, influence, uh, dominance, uh, overall accomplishment, when you put the whole equation together of all-time greatness, he's not in the top 10. There's just just too many all-time talents that, that... just outrank him and you know Steph still has a ton of time to catch up and move into the top 10 you know if he wins another title or two as the great as the best player on his team he is undoubtedly a top 10 player and you know if he has more titles than LeBron if he wins another title there's going to be some serious discussions on whether Steph is better than LeBron Um, unless unless he wins more than LeBron if he he has to win at least two more titles as the best player on his team in order to catch up to LeBron, in my opinion. Because, you know, LeBron is, you know, LeBron's, all all of LeBron's finals, all four of his finals championships, he was the best player on that team. He was the leader of that team. Steph Curry has only won two titles in which he was the best player on his team. And then he still has the, 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 the infamous blot on his resume of losing a 3-1 series in the finals. I mean, that's never happened in league history. So, you know, if we're going to give LeBron James immense credit for coming back from a 3-1 series lead, we have to, we have to uh, do the same for, for Stephen Curry for blowing that lead as well. So, you know, I'm like I said, I'm as big of a Stephen Curry fan as anyone else out there. I'm just applying an objective standard to everybody across the board and saying that he is the second greatest player of all time over LeBron James is just it's disrespectful to LeBron it's disrespectful to Kareem it's disrespectful to Wilt it's disrespectful to Bill Russell it's disrespectful to everybody who in my opinion is greater than Steph Curry and that includes KD KD in my opinion is still greater than Steph Curry Um, Steph can still has room to surpass KD but KD still has room to, to win championships as well so it'll be interesting to see where KD and Steph end up all time when it's all said and done because they still both have lots of time to move up into the top 10 um, but yeah at the end of the day Stephen Curry is not the second greatest player of all time and anybody that's pushing that narrative is just is just an imbecile in my opinion All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks for stopping by. I really appreciate it. This has been the Rabbit's Take Podcast. I'll see you tomorrow. Peace.